What's happening, everybody? Holy shit, it's Saturday. <laughs> Welcome back to the Daily Drives. I'm your host, Jason Cremines. And the only voice you'll hear on this episode, and, well, most episodes, since uh, I'm driving down the road <laughs> while I'm recording this. Don't worry, don't worry. My hands are on the wheel. My eyes are on the road. Uh, it is simply, uh, simply using my hands free, you know, wireless headphones. So sometimes you don't hear me so well, and sometimes you hear me really well. It just depends upon the battery life, I think, more than anything of my uh, my headset. So hopefully you can hear me all right today, and hopefully you're having a great day. And if you're not Go back a couple episodes and and listen about how to have a good day. A lot of it has to do with having goals and, and, you know, kind of chipping away at those goals on a daily basis. So that's really what most of it's about. And uh, by by doing that, you allow yourself the opportunity to have good days. So hopefully you've already listened to that. You know how to do that. You're having a good day. Hopefully you're checking things off of your... Uh, you're checking things off of your power list as we speak, right? Your critical task list. Anyway, it's Saturday for me. Um, I don't know if I'm posting this today or the next day, but uh, I'll, I'll try to get it up this evening for you. The podcast, that is, you dirty-minded fuckers. I know what you're thinking. So uh, I will try to publish the podcast for you sometime this evening. And again, it is Saturday, the day before Mother's Day. Also, the day before my second daughter's birthday. She's turning 14. Can you believe that? Holy shit. Eighth grade graduation coming up. Uh, you know, E-man's going from sixth grade to seventh grade. He's an official middle schooler as of next year. And uh, it is a little bit ugly today. It's rather cloudy. Uh, sprinkles here and there. Uh, I expect that to kind of dissipate a little bit as the day goes on and looking for a nice sunny beautiful day as I've had since I've been down here in Florida for the last month and a half the coffee scene down here needs some help but anyway uh, speaking of coffee if you like coffee there's a buddy of mine that uh, that makes coffee Uh, and he lives in Canal Winchester, and I think you should go check him out, and I think you should uh, maybe go get some, and then let me know if it's any good or not, because, you know, my ass is broke, (laughs) so if you can go spend a couple bucks and get you a pound of the coffee, uh, I'm going to have to look that up for you, because I should have been prepared for that one, my bad. We'll, we'll start that over, all right? <laughs> we'll, I'll talk to you more about the coffee on the next stop, okay? Uh, anyway, so Jesse Moeller, that's, that's, who's, uh, that's who's got the coffee. If you're friends with him or, or whatever, or if you're friends with me somewhere on social media, you can find him through me, and you're welcome to do so. I'm sure he'd be happy about that. Anyway, what do we want to talk about today? I want to talk about something that affects me on a daily basis, and I know that it affects a lot of you too. Um, it has been deemed over the years as a mental illness. Um, I think that uh, that's somewhat accurate, but I, I don't know if I would say illness necessarily, but 
uh, it's definitely something that can be debilitating. It can be something that can literally be crippling for people, and that is anxiety. Anxiety is something, once again, I deal with on a daily basis, uh, either at home or at work. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about anxiety over the past few years, and I've learned... Um, I've learned that it's almost impossible, <laughs> almost impossible when someone is having an anxiety attack who, who suffers from chronic anxiety, uh, it, it is almost impossible to be able to, you know, calm them down and, and to get their head right. It's very, very difficult. Um, and, and sometimes it just can't be done <laughs> at all. Uh, sometimes it just has to run its course. So what is anxiety? What exactly is anxiety. Well, anxiety, and, and this is not the Webster's definition, okay? This is a, uh, a general medical definition, okay? Um, I don't claim to be a doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything like that, so uh, I, I can't tell you that I'm super, um, uh, super accredited when it comes to this particular topic. Now, that being said, I am rather qualified to talk about this topic because it has been a part of my life for a very long time, but um, but I'm not certified in any way to to give you uh, medical advice or, or treatment options or anything like that. So let's let's just get that out of the way right now. If there was uh, if I had a legal guy that could talk really really fast and spit out all the little legal disclaimers about how uh, I am not a doctor. Uh, I would do that just for the fun of it and because it makes my son laugh when he hears someone talk that fast. So, um, so what is anxiety exactly? Anxiety is fear of a potential outcome of a future event. Fear of a potential outcome of a future event. Not an imminent threat. Let's make... Let's make uh, let's make the distinction between fear and anxiety. Fear is the fear of an immediate threat, something that's going on right now that could cause a problem. For example, you're standing in the middle of a runway and a plane is coming in to land. You should be afraid right there because you could get hit by the plane and die, right? So you want to get out of the way. That would be the next move. And that, of course, would more than likely alleviate that that fear it would uh, it, it not it would eliminate basically that fear once you're out of harm's way there's no fear there anymore right that's fear anxiety anxiety is much much different ladies and gentlemen much much different so this is how anxiety works let's say you have a job interview right you get all dressed up you get you're you're like sharp from head to toe you are confident, you feel good about the interview, it's a job you really want, um, you're ready to go, you, you start to, to head there, on the way there, you tell yourself, you know, you're talking to yourself in your mind, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to kick this interview's ass, right? Trying to, trying to talk yourself up, you're ready to go, right? You get out of the car when you get to the, uh, the place where you're going to be interviewing, you get out of the car and you look at yourself in the reflection uh, in the reflection of your window just one more time to make sure you look good and you're like you know in your head in your head you're thinking man does this match do I match do I have a wrinkle 
Am I close? Does everything look? Do I look okay? You know what? This this blue, this blue. Does it does it match the black pants that I'm wearing? The blue shirt that I'm wearing? What if they don't like blue? Ah, uh, you're just being silly. And you start walking. You know, you're headed up to the door. Right before you get to the door, you see yourself in the in the wall in the uh, in the door, the reflection of the glass door there again, and and, and you're you're thinking to yourself, what if they don't like blue? Man, what if what if they tell me that you know I, I look like a big bruise? I'm wearing a blue shirt and a pair of black slacks. You know what if I just look like a big? Maybe maybe I'm gonna be intimidating. I don't know if I should be wearing this. Maybe I should have changed. Maybe I should have put something else on. How are they gonna react? to the clothing that I'm wearing. Uh, okay, look, I- I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. You walk into the lobby, right? You walk into the lobby. You get ready to walk up to uh, the receptionist to let her know that you're there for your job interview. You're quite a few minutes early, so you figure you walk down the hall, grab a uh, you know a little bit of water or something, maybe a cup of coffee or something like that before you go to your interview or before you let them know that you're there. While you're walking, you say to yourself, no, I don't want to get coffee because what if I spill it on myself? I'm going to spill coffee on myself right before my interview. Right? Maybe, maybe they're not gonna like the way that I did my hair. I have this little, this little soul patch. Maybe. What if they don't like that? I mean, what if they get really mad because they don't like the way that I'm dressed? What if? Oh man, what's gonna happen if they, if they don't like me? Oh no, I'm just, I'm just. I keep telling myself this stuff, but it's not, it's not. This stuff's not even valid. I'm, I'm just. It's the anxiety talking. It's not me. Oh no. It's the anxiety talking. What if I have an anxiety attack sitting right there in front of those people? What if I have an anxiety attack right in the middle of my interview? What are they going to say? They're going to think I'm a freak. They're going to they're going to shun me. They're going to think that I'm the craziest person they've ever met. I'm never going to get this job. I'm never going to get this job. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to call the cops. I'm going to be handcuffed in the back of a cruiser. And all I wanted to do was get a job. I'm not going. Fuck this. I'm turning around. I can't handle this. This is too much. This is too much. I just can't do it. And you leave. That's what anxiety looks like. That's what anxiety feels like. It's what anxiety sounds like in the head of a person who suffers from anxiety. Those fears are not rational in most cases. And in some cases, they're completely rational fears. But most of the time, they're not. You see what happened there was at first, we're ready for this job interview. We're ready to go, right? And... We look good, we feel good, and then we start to get closer to the actual interview time and the brain starts picking everything apart. Everything from the freaking shirt and the tie and the shoes and the pants and the hair to the anxiety itself, which is a legitimate fear, but it's not a legitimate fear that they're not gonna like the tie that I'm wearing, okay? 99 times out of 100, You're not going to not get a job because of the tie that you're wearing. Now, (laughs) if you walk in wearing, uh, you know, if you walk into a a kosher deli to get a job wearing a Hitler tie, that might be the exception to the rule, (laughs) okay? But other than that, you're probably not going to not get a job because of your tie or because of the color of your shirt or because of the color of your pants or your shoes. Right? It looks better if you're dressed properly, everything matches, everything's nice and neat and no wrinkles and things like that. Yes, that definitely looks better. And you definitely look like you really care about the job interview. You really care about 
wanting to get the job or whatever. But having something that doesn't 100% work, if I'm interviewing you, I'm not going to notice that. <laughs> I'm just not going to notice it. I'm going to notice if you're wearing jeans and a polo, when I told you business professional, I'm going to notice that. Now I'm judging you based on what you're wearing because I specifically told you that I don't want you coming in in jeans and a t-shirt or a polo. I want you coming in in slacks, uh, dress shirt, tie, and maybe even a, a jacket, right? Business professional as opposed to just casual dress, which again, to me, casual is a pair of jeans and maybe a polo or a t-shirt. Of course, it's extremely casual, but uh, business casual is more, you know, dress slacks and a, a polo or a nice uh, long sleeve shirt, right? But in that scenario, you heard some bullshit bogus fears that should, should not even be worried about. And then you heard some things that are absolutely, like I said, legitimate. And, and you should worry about those things. You should be, you should have a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety about like, if you're going to be late to the interview, you should have a reason. That's a reason to be anxious. That's a reason to have the fear of not getting the job because being late to an interview, you're just telling them right out of the gate, hey, look, I can't even get here on time for the interview. What, do you, what makes you think I'm gonna get here on time for work? And a lot of times being on time, the punctuality, most of the time is very, very important. In most businesses, that punctuality is very important because they rely on you to do a, a task that needs to start at a certain time. So that's a legitimate fear. But again, the tie, the color of your tie, that's not, that's not legit, man. But it's in there. It doesn't matter. Anxiety doesn't care what's legit and what's not. It's going to pile it on. It's going to keep telling you all the things that can go wrong. You're going to run through every single possible scenario. Look, you left the house this morning to go to a job interview, and in your mind, you're in the back of a fucking cruiser, handcuffed, on your way to jail because you had an anxiety attack and you started throwing shit at people. <laughs> In a, in a place of, you know, where you're at a place of business where you're getting, you're doing an interview, you know, you're being interviewed by somebody. In your mind, that's what happened. Or what could happen. As ridiculous as it might sound after the anxiety attack uh, has run its course, you're going to say to yourself, that's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I think that? Why does that even make sense? Why did I not go to that job interview for that stupid reason? That's dumb. And then you're going to be pissed at yourself for allowing the anxiety to keep you from going to that job interview and robbing you of an opportunity. And then it just continues to spiral from there. Now the anxiety is telling you that you're a dumbass. We have a call coming in and we are almost at our first stop. So let's pause just for a moment. I'm gonna give you another cool song to listen to and I'm gonna look up uh, the information I need for the coffee and then we'll talk in a few minutes. And that was We Are Soldiers by a really good band called Otherwise out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Those guys are awesome. I've played with them a few times. I uh, consider those guys friends of mine. And uh, they're really doing some big stuff. They've got some incredible tunes. They just put out a new record. And uh, you should go check them out if you have not heard them yet. They're huge, uh, obviously, in Nevada. And they're huge in a few other states that I know of for sure. Um, so let's see if we can make them huge nationwide. I'd like to see those guys, uh, you know, just start kicking some serious ass. So 
uh, you know, go check them out. Otherwise, just like it sounds, one word, otherwise. And uh, once again, they're a fun band to watch. They're definitely well worth a, you know, 15 to $25 ticket. Definitely well worth it. They put on a good show. The vocals are incredible. And uh, those guys have a lot of energy on stage, and they're just uh, a lot of fun. Their, their drummer is insane. Uh, the guy is just absolutely wicked. I follow him on Instagram. He's always posting some cool stuff with him warming up and things like that. It's pretty neat. Anyway, so that was uh, Otherwise, and their song, We Are Soldiers. And that particular song uh, is about our military, and it's kind of a tribute to our military. So uh, go check it out. Also... I told you I would tell you about Campfire Coffee Roasters with a K. Campfire with a K. Uh, Campfire Coffee Roasters, Canal Winchester, Ohio. Do me a favor. Go buy some coffee. And then once you've bought that coffee, I want you to try it. And then I want you to let me know what you think of it. And if you want to, you're welcome to mail me some of that coffee since it's, uh, you know, about a... About a 20-hour drive for me to go get some. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to order it and have it shipped, which is fine. But you know I'm broke as shit, so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, get some of that coffee. Tell me what you think, because right now I'm drinking coffee from Speedway. And if anyone uh, who is a coffee connoisseur is hearing this right now, their stomach is turning. I apologize. Okay, I didn't, I didn't mean to make you sick this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, but that's what I have available to me, so that's what I'm drinking. Anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand, which once again is anxiety. Today we're talking about anxiety and how um, and what that is exactly and uh, why anxiety can be so difficult and so crippling, you know, I mean, realistically, it's no bullshit. So I said, uh, we were talking about fears and because anxiety is a fear of things that are yet to come. So, uh, most of the time it's an irrational fear. However, that anxiety can be brought on by genuine fears as well. And then what happens is, uh, everything else kind of piles on top of it. So let me give you a really good example of that. Um, Earlier we used the uh, the job interview. So now let's say that you um, you just need to you're you're going to you have a plan to go um, meet a friend for dinner. There should be no anxiety there, right? No anxiety whatsoever. You're going to meet a friend for dinner, but something happens. Okay, maybe. Oh, that coffee's not good. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you're worried about the drive there. All right? Um, you're not feeling very good, and you're afraid that uh, on the way there, you know, you, you may have to pull over really fast and go to the bathroom, right? You're having some digestive problems. All right? So you're going to meet your friend for dinner, uh, but you're concerned that because it's a 25-minute drive, you might have to pull over once or twice because of your stomach issues that you're dealing with. And that's a legitimate fear, okay? That's a legitimate fear. It's legit. That could actually happen. You could have to pull over, and you could have to go to the bathroom in a public restroom, which you don't want to do, or, or whatever, you know? So 
that's the fear. That's where it starts, a legitimate fear. Then you say to yourself, what happens if I don't make it to the restroom in time? I've got to go really bad, and now I, I, can't, I can't pull over fast enough, and um, I shit myself, or, or I pissed my pants, or whatever, you know? It's probably not going to happen, but it could, so it's still a, a legitimate fear, but probably less likely, right? Then you start to think, what if I'm not paying attention to the road well enough because I'm concerned about this and and you start thinking about all of the things that could happen you could rear-end somebody at a stoplight you could uh, you know switch lanes without noticing that someone's there and crash your car into them you could uh, not see your exit coming up and you know and, and miss your exit and have to take a 10 or 15 minute detour once again those are fears. Those things could happen, but the likelihood, again, is getting pretty low there. And then, let's say, the, the fear, the anxiety just keeps digging, right? And the anxiety now is telling you, you, dude, you do this all the time. You're always doing this, man. You're always looking for a reason to not go hang out with your friend. You know, your friend's going to get mad at you if you don't go have dinner with them. But because of these fears that you're having, now you're not quite sure you want to go have dinner with your friend, you know? And, and then you're starting to feel guilty about not wanting to go have dinner with your friend. And the anxiety is telling you that you're a piece of shit friend because you're not going to go have dinner with your friend now because you're worried about some stuff that may or may not happen. So now your friend is mad at you they don't ever want to talk to you again because you skipped out on dinner once more because you've done it before, you know, because of the same thing. You've had these, these problems in the past. Now your friend is, is mad at you. Now, again, this is going on in your mind. This isn't the reality. This isn't what's actually happening. These are fears that your mind is creating for you, right, all of the different scenarios. And, and they're going to get wild. They're going to get ridiculously off-topic, Right? Things that don't, fears that don't have anything to do with you going to see your friend for dinner, meet your friend for dinner. Other things come out that don't even make any sense. You know, what if I get there and there's not a table and we got to wait for 30 minutes and I'm having stomach problems? What if the waiter spills coffee on me? What if I forget to put on a bra? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it works, man. It's, it's all over the place. It doesn't make sense most of the time. You know, it just keeps going and it keeps piling on. And the only way to stop it is to eliminate the fear. How do you eliminate the fear? You just don't go. And then when you just don't go, now you have new fears. Your friend's going to be mad at you. Is that a possibility? Sure it is. But what kind of a friend will be mad at you because you're feeling anxious about going out in public? If that's the case, they're probably not really a very good friend anyway. Hopefully they're understanding of your condition and they say, hey, we don't have to meet for dinner. How about I grab some stuff, bring it over, and we just cook at the house? That's fine. All right? That could happen. 
But that's not what anxiety is going to tell you. It's going to say, nope, your friend's never going to want to see you again. Joe is never going to invite you to have dinner with them again because every time you blow them off because of your fears and your anxieties. Even worse, Joe's going to go tell all your other friends that he keeps trying to go out and hang out with you and have a good time with you, but you keep telling him no for no reason. You know, that, that Jason's a real asshole, man. We've had two or three or four different times that we were supposed to get together, and every single one of those times, he's, he's bailed on me. That's what happens. In my mind, the anxiety is telling me that my friend hates my guts. I don't even want to pick up the phone and call him now. I don't even want to call Joe and tell him because I'm afraid that he's not going to understand. You know, and then I'm mad at myself because I think that my friend's going to be pissed off at me. Or once again, I've blown my friend off because of fears that I have had and fears that I have, I, I have that are, are legitimate and then fears that I have that aren't so legitimate. I'm going to beat myself up now for the next two days over this single event because that's what anxiety does. It doesn't want to let go. So I hope that gives you a clear understanding of what anxiety is like, actually dealing with and suffering from the condition of chronic anxiety. Now, you can have anxiety. You can, you can be anxious about something. That's okay. You can have acute anxiety where every once in a while you'll have a, a fear of things to come, of possible outcomes of things to come. You know, you can have that fear, that anxiety, uh, and it can be an acute situation where it's not something that happens to you all the time. I'm talking about anxiety that happens to you on a regular basis, chronic anxiety, daily, daily anxiety, hourly anxiety. You know, some people say, man, I, I have anxiety. No anxiety about what? Because some people just have a situation where they have some anxiety about something. And then other people suffer from the condition that is anxiety, which means that they're dealing with it every single day. Every day, this is something that they have to deal with. And it's not easy, you know, and so many people don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, that makes that anxiety worse. The person dealing with that anxiety knows that people don't get it. And they know that there's no way to explain it to somebody without looking like a complete, a complete fucking basket case, you know? So it's very, very difficult, very difficult to be able to talk to people about that because in a lot of cases you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed to have this condition because if you live with somebody like me or you're around somebody like me who's always positive and always looking on the bright side and, and never worries about anything, it's even more difficult to talk to that person. I mean, it is like impossible because most of the time they don't understand. They really truly don't understand. They'd like to, but they don't get it. And they don't get it because they don't live it every day. Like I said, it's one thing to have anxiety about a, uh, an upcoming event or something like that. It's another thing to have anxiety about absolutely everything that you do. 
to a simple task like making dinner can be a struggle for somebody with anxiety because maybe they're making dinner just for the family. You know, what if child number one doesn't like this? Is it a legitimate fear? Eh, yeah, but I mean, is it a colossal like breakdown type of situation? No, but with someone with anxiety, that's what could happen anyway. Even though it's not a situation where you should realistically, um, you know, be very concerned, the anxiety makes you create an extra amount of concern, an exorbitant amount of concern over something that, that maybe doesn't deserve that much attention. That's anxiety. I hope that gives you a good idea. So, what do we do? What can you do if you're suffering from anxiety? Well, if you go see a doctor, a lot of doctors are going to say you need to be on meds. I believe there are probably uh, probably two or three dozen kinds of medications out there specifically for anxiety that are used for other things too, but you know, for anxiety, there are quite a few different things, pills that you can take uh, to help relieve that anxiety a little bit. But my problem with that is what else are those pills? What are the other things that those pills are going to do to you, to your body, to your mind? I do not believe in pharmaceuticals in that way. I don't believe that they help. I believe that they can help to, uh, to dampen the symptoms of anxiety, but they're doing other things to you that can cause a lot of other problems. Kidney problems, liver problems, urinary tract infections, all kinds of different things. Headaches, uh, swelling, water retention, nervousness, depression, suicidal thoughts. All of those things can come about when you're taking pharmaceuticals created by man. So if you want to go that route, I would strongly urge you to take a look at alternative medicines before you decide on what pill you're going to start popping every day. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm not telling you that uh, Western medicine is the devil, although that's what I believe. You may have a different opinion, and that's okay. Once again, I'm not a doctor. I've never studied these medications at length, at least not enough to be able to thoroughly educate you on the medications that you can take for anxiety, except for one thing, and that's medical marijuana. Some of you are like, dude, I mean, medical marijuana, really? You think that's the answer? And I'm going to tell you my honest opinion. Yes, I do think that's the answer. You're like, Jason, I don't want to smoke anything. Cool, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I think that the best thing that you can do for anxiety is an ingestible or edible medicinal marijuana strain. 
something that is of an indica strain because that is something that tends to relieve anxiety a lot better. In addition to that, there's a much, a, a huge difference between smoking pot and eating pot. A huge difference to the way that it makes, to the way that it reacts with your body and what it does for your body. If you suffer from like chronic back pains for no reason, fibromyalgia, things like that, then a really good indica strain with a high CBD volume is probably going to be the best thing for you in an edible because it's going to give you more of a body relaxation type of feeling. And that's what you need in this particular case is for your body to calm down because the body is going to be sore because of anxiety. It's your, your body is going to physically react to your emotional state of being. So when you're in a, a heightened anxiety situation, you're going to find that you have aches and pains in places that you shouldn't have aches and pains. It's going to feel like you got hit by a Mack truck after an all-day uh, anxiety attack. That's what it's going to feel like. These medicinal strains of marijuana can help you can help to alleviate those pains, those muscle spasms, the, the tightening of the muscles, because you don't realize that's what you're doing when you're feeling anxious, you're tensing everything up. You're tightening everything up in your body. So all your joints, all your bones, all your muscles are being used constantly when they shouldn't be. They're not performing a task, they're just clenched, you know, like clench your fist and do so all day. Try to make a fist and squeeze that thing all day long. And then at the end of the day, tell me how your hand feels. Feels like shit, doesn't it? It hurts, it's cramping. Right? That's what happens to your entire body. I strongly recommend that you seriously research different strains of medical marijuana and what it can do for you. I strongly urge you, if you're suffering from anxiety or you have a loved one or a friend who's suffering from anxiety and you see that it's causing them a problem on a daily basis, that is anxiety that needs to be treated somehow. So that would be the first place that I would look if I were you. I would look into different alternative medications. Try to keep your body all natural because we put so many things, so many different chemicals into these medications that we take on a daily basis to alleviate things like anxiety, depression, uh, uh, PTSD, things like that. The medications that we take are, are literally, they're killing us. They're absolutely killing us. They, they will do way more harm than good, in my opinion, in the long run. I know a woman who was on Lyrica, diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and the Lyrica did absolutely help to alleviate her pain and allow her to get some rest at night. But when she woke up in the morning, her hands were swollen. She couldn't even keep her rings on her fingers. Her uh, feet were swollen. All the joints, ankles, elbows, wrists, everything's swollen. And that is a direct side effect of the Lyrica. She stopped taking the Lyrica, started using medical marijuana, and has been pharmaceutical free ever since. And the days that she struggles the most 
are days after weeks without going to the gym or without eating properly. If you're eating garbage, you need to stop. You need to start looking into natural foods, foods that are free of preservatives and things like that. So anything that's boxed and packaged, prepackaged for you, you might want to think about eliminating those kinds of foods from your diet because those, the things that are put in those can actually increase anxiety. Most people don't know that. And they don't tell you that. The FDA is not going to tell you that. No government entity is going to tell you that. They're going to tell you that it's all good stuff. It's fine. It's perfect. It's the best stuff that you can eat. That has a lot to do with politics, lobbyists, pharma giant. It has a lot to do with those things, right? So, once again, I want to strongly urge you, if you're thinking about medication for your anxiety, I want you to not just, don't just look into pharmaceuticals. Also look into medicinal marijuana, I believe that it may be a better alternative for you. And if you're in a state where that's not legal yet, then I would recommend that you start a petition or you at least find out where that petition is because there's one out there, I guarantee it. And I would, I would strongly urge you to sign that petition and to get that, that medicinal marijuana legal in your state. It's now legal in Florida, it's legal in Ohio. So both of the states in which I live uh, have lived, it, it is now available. At least it's, it's legal now. It might not be available in Ohio yet. I know it is now available in Florida. So if you're living in Florida and you're suffering from anxiety, there are, there are places to call. There are people to see, okay? Now, if you're not suffering from anxiety and you just want to get high, don't use this as an excuse, okay? Don't go in and talking about how you're super anxious, all right? Because what you're doing is you're watering it down for everyone else. The people who really do suffer from anxiety, all right? If you want to get high, do what I do. Buy it for your dude next door, all right? Forget about the card and all that shit, okay? If that's what you're using it for, then that's what you're going to do, all right? But if you need it for medication... Go see a doctor who's going to talk to you about those things. Explain to you the pros and cons of medical marijuana and, of course, of you know your traditional Western medicine pharmaceuticals. Now, with that being said, the medicine helps with the symptoms. It is not a cure to the problem. It helps with the symptoms. I'm repeating that. It helps with the symptoms, but it is not a cure for the actual problem. The actual problem is coming from something else. You have anxiety for a completely different reason. You weren't born with it. I don't believe that people are born with anxiety or depression. I don't believe that people are born that way. Now. Is it possible to be genetically predisposed to things like depression and anxiety? Absolutely. I believe, and again, this is not based on science. This is based solely on experience and talking to people in these particular situations. That's what this information that I'm giving you right now is based on. I do not have uh, a list of different scientists and facts and things like that sitting in front of me to talk to you about. I'm telling you what I believe, based on my experience, 
my expertise, my knowledge, and, and the things that I've witnessed over the years, uh, the 39 years of my life. I believe that these conditions are caused by other things. For example, I spoke to a woman not long ago, um, someone who's very close to me, and we had a very long discussion. She was in the middle of a serious anxiety attack. She had no idea what to do. She was enraged. She was irrational. And it didn't matter what anyone said to her, whether it was, what can I do to help? Or you're just being stupid. It didn't matter. Everything was the wrong thing to say. Everything. There was nothing that anyone could say or do to make her feel better, to help alleviate the pressure that she was feeling, the anxiety that she was feeling, the fear, the just unbelievable, uncontrollable fear that just ran through her entire body. She just could not let go of it. And she's crying and just completely emotional. There was no end to this, this attack in sight. It just so happens, you know, we're coming up on Mother's Day, and this woman, you know, she, she lost her mother some years ago. The latter part of her mother's life, her and her mother were very, very close. Spent a lot of time together. And I believe that she feels like she didn't get enough time with her mom because the first half of her life after we got to talking, the first half of her life, her mom wasn't around much. In fact, uh, her mom might have been better off to not be around at all because when she was around, she was drinking. Her and her, you know, uh, her husband, this woman's stepdad, would get into fights. And when I say fights, I'm talking like punching each other and, and pulling hair and, and throwing things at each other. And I'm talking seriously violent, screaming, yelling, uh, you know, just violent fighting matches and, and on a, a fairly regular basis. So she spent the first half of her life pissed off at her mom, hating her mom. And then the latter half of, of her life, you know, wishing that she could be there wishing that her mother could be there for her during her struggling times. So that causes some anxiety. That's, that's part of it. In addition to that, the first part of her life, you know, dealing with the things that she dealt with, with her, her mom and her stepdad as a child, a young child, and then uh, a teenager. Well, she got her first boyfriend in high school, serious boyfriend, and then this guy, uh, you know, she thought he was just the most wonderful thing in the world until the mind games started, until the darkness overcame the relationship. He started mentally abusing her and then eventually physically abusing her as well. This went on for a few years. And when I say physical abuse... I'm talking about literally being punched in the face or, you know, having her hair pulled and things like that. 
And when I say mental abuse, things like, you know, holding a gun to someone's head, threatening to pull the trigger, very traumatic, especially for somebody who's 18, 19 years old and hoping to enjoy their very first real relationship with somebody that they thought was just an awesome person and they just felt madly in love with. So now she's in love with this person who's giving her attention, even though the attention is negative and it's horrible, horrifying attention. At least she's getting some attention from somewhere. She's not getting it from mom. She's not there. She's not around. So that relationship ends eventually. And the next relationship is is shortly thereafter. And guess what happened in that next relationship? It was basically a repeat of the first one, only a lot more violent. So that goes on for a couple of, uh, for a year, let's say. And once again, she's in a situation where she's now married to this guy. And this guy is very physically abusive. So they got into a big fight. They ended up getting separated and, uh, and divorced. And then she moves on. And throughout our talk, and we talked for a long time, there were several other examples of the darkness in which she lived from the time that she was born to the time that she was in her mid-30s. And now she's in her late 30s. So literally, 80% of her life, she spent in darkness. The people that were around her seemed to not care. The people that were around her seemed to to even not only not care, but make life miserable for her. She literally viewed the world as this evil, dark place for so long that she didn't even realize that there's a good world out there. That there's actually a lot of people out there who aren't like that. In fact, most people aren't like that. So this is what happened to her. She was beaten down and beaten down and beaten down day after day after day in her life as a child, as a young child, having to fend for herself to make her own food, if there was even any food in the house, and having to sit in the back of cars being driven around by people who have been drinking all night and being happy just to make it home and not be wrapped around a tree. This happened for her entire life. Almost her entire life this has been going on. Now I'm going to break you. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you that I, I think is rather interesting. because I think it's somewhat relatable. And that is, if you've ever seen the movie 300, 
there's a scene in the movie where the 300 <laughs> uh, are up against the army and the king says you know what we've got all of these all of these soldiers in our army there's no way that 300 men could take down this army this massive army that we have so And again, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, from memory here. I just came up with this idea. So forgive me if I don't remember all the details. So the leader of the 300 asks the king, so what's this guy do for a living? Well, that guy says he's a blacksmith. This other guy is a, a locksmith. This other guy, uh, you know, sells pack or whatever, right? And then he turns to his 300 men and he says, what do you do for a living? And they all basically said the same thing with some kind of hoorah type of shit. They're soldiers. They were born and bred and raised to be warriors. They know nothing else. They don't know how to be a blacksmith. They don't know how to be uh, a locksmith. They don't know how to do anything but fight. That's it. From the moment that they were born, they were immediately trained to be killing machines, to have no remorse, no regret for their murders. Because that's what it takes to take down an army of thousands when you're merely a group of just 300. Okay. What does this have to do with this situation, Jason? Well, let me tell you exactly. She was beaten down her entire life. She didn't know happiness. She didn't know how to be happy, how to be positive. She didn't know how to live in the light. All she knew was darkness from the day that she was born. All she knew was darkness. She didn't know anything else. How could she possibly be equipped to take on the light when all she's ever known is the darkness? So once we talked about this, and once I pointed those things out to her, and she was able to... to you know, cry on my shoulder and kind of get those things out. She really hadn't spoken about those things a lot in the past. And, and that was the most information she said that she had ever given to anybody ever about her personal life. And it was, it was embarrassing for her. For her, it was, it was very, she was very vulnerable at that point. It's a very scary thing to share that kind of information with somebody. So because she's lived in the dark her entire life and she's just now starting to come out into the light, it's a scary place for her. It's very scary. There are so many things that she doesn't understand, that she doesn't have the ability to handle. And those things are all good things. 
you know? She doesn't understand love, unconditional love. It doesn't make sense to her. She's never been able to practice that. That's where her anxiety is stemming from. Right now, she's hovering down in a corner, a little shadowed corner where she feels safest. But in that corner, she has herself and her thoughts and nothing else and no one else. And those thoughts, those thoughts are what are, those are the things that are, are crippling her on a daily basis. Because the anxiety is making her believe that there are no good outcomes. There are only bad outcomes. Because that's all she has seen up until this point in her life. Bad outcomes. And lots of them. You know, it's one thing to be in an abusive relationship for a few years, get out of it, and move on. It's another thing to deal with that time and time and time again. Most people in her shoes would be on drugs. And I'm not talking about medicinal drugs to help with the problem. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about heroin, fentanyl, meth, I mean, whatever. There's a million of them out there. Lots of people go to drugs and alcohol to help with these problems because that's the only way that they can escape. That's the only way that they can get those voices in their head to stop, is to cloud them with, with drugs or alcohol. That's it. There's no other way to do it. But she's not. And she's dealing on a daily basis because that's all she can do. So with that being said, the medicine, whether it's medicinal marijuana or it's, you know, some kind of a pharmaceutical, uh, antidepressant, anti-anxiety meds, whatever they are, that will help to uh, help to relieve the symptoms of the problem, but it's not going to fix the problem. We got to figure out what the actual problem is and start working on that. So, the next thing that you should do, or the first thing that you should do, if you're not into the, the medicines at all, which I understand, then the first thing that you need to do is you need to seek out counseling. And I'm not talking about going to a doctor that's going to immediately try to put you on meds, okay? I'm talking about going and talking to somebody who's a professional in their field. Somebody who can sit and listen to you. And I know what you're thinking. Jason, I suffer from anxiety. You think I want to go talk to a stranger about my problems? Hell no, dude. No way do I want to talk to some stranger about what's going on in my brain. Or my fucked up childhood or my fucked up adolescence, or whatever it is. No way do I want to go talk to a stranger. I suffer from anxiety, duh. I know. I know, it's very scary. You need to find a support group, people who, that, you, know, who you can surround yourself with, who will be there to support you throughout this, this journey that you're going to go on with finding the roots of your problems and doing something you know, to help alleviate the pain. 
There's a way to do it. I don't know what it is. Once again, I'm not a counselor. I do my best to counsel. All right, but I'm I'm not I'm not equipped with enough tools to be able to handle uh, that kind of the magnitude of that. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm not even pulling the right words out because I got people trying to cut me off and shit. Um, in my drive, of course, a long ass drive today. So you have people around you who love you and who care about you. Yeah, they might not necessarily understand the anxiety as well as they should, but they can at least help to encourage you to see somebody and to talk to somebody. And this is what's going to happen. That support group, they're going to they're gonna help you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to tell you what a great decision that you're making by seeking out counseling to help find the root of your problems. Because if you can figure out where the problem lies to begin with, then you can put a name and a face to the problem. And, and maybe that's all it's going to take for you is to figure out what it really is that's causing you this pain. That might be all you need. You might need a lot more than that even. But that might be it. That might be all you need. You might be able to you might be able to go to a counselor and and figure out what the real deal is and start working through those issues, but you might still need help. Medicine, right? So here's what's going to happen. Your loved ones, your support group, the people that understand, the people that want to help you are going to encourage you to go to a counselor. You're going to go to the counselor the first time. They're going to ask you questions like, why are you here? You know, because I suffer from anxiety. Tell me a little bit about your anxiety. What does that mean? And they're going to ease you into the conversation, okay? They're professionals. They know how to do this to make you comfortable. You don't have to start talking about your problems, you know, sitting on the couch and, and you know, oh, my mom was never there for me. They're not going to ask you to do that right out of the gate. I can promise you this because I've been to counseling. I know 100% fact that they are not going to make you immediately start diving in, in, into your problems and and make you talk about things that are uncomfortable. They're going to allow you the opportunity to get to know them and them to get to know you. They're going to make sure that you feel 100% comfortable. And there's something about it, folks. There's something about talking to somebody who's not allowed to tell anybody what you say. I'm telling you right now, there are things that you want to say that you can't say to your friend, to your spouse, to your loved ones. You know, there are certain things that you don't want people to know are going on in your head. I'm telling you, I know this because there are things in my head that I will never tell people, ever. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. You know, it doesn't matter why you don't want to talk about those things or why you don't want people to know about those things. It doesn't matter why. That's, that's your business. Those are your thoughts. You know, maybe you are angry with your spouse about something, and that's one of the things that you're dealing with, but you don't want to talk to your spouse about it because there's nothing that they can do. Let me, let me give you an example. 
me give you an example. So you're a woman, you're married to a man, and the man never puts the freaking toilet seat down, ever. No matter how many times you tell him, he never puts the damn toilet seat down when he's done. You've realized after five years of marriage that this is the way it's going to freaking be. He's not going to listen to you. He's not ever going to remember. I'm just going to have to deal with it, right? But it drives you fucking crazy every time you see it. Because a lot of times when you suffer from anxiety, you're also suffering from things like a little bit of OCD and stuff like that, right? So this is causing you more problems, okay? But you don't want to tell your husband that you think he's a fucking asshole because he can't just simply put the freaking toilet seat down, right? But you can tell the counselor that, and the counselor's not going to tell your husband. Let's get a little bit more intimate and a little bit more realistic, okay? Let's say... Let's say that you think your husband is not very good in bed. Ouch. Right? You love your husband. You love everything about your husband. You think he's awesome. He takes very good care of you. He's a wonderful person. He tells you how beautiful you are every day. All that good stuff. But he's just not getting it done in the bedroom. Okay? That's a difficult conversation to have without making somebody feel like a total piece of shit. Do you really want to talk to your husband about that? Maybe not. But if you could go talk to the counselor who's not going to talk to your husband and tell your husband the things that you say, that is a way of really opening up something that you don't talk about. Because you might not want to talk to your friends about that either for fear that they're going to go talk to somebody else and it's going to get back to your husband. You don't want him to know that. You don't want to hurt their feelings. That's pretty intimate and an extreme example, but it's an absolute real situation, a real-life struggle that people face, you know, techniques and tactics in the bedroom. It's It's a real thing. So... That might be something that you can talk to the counselor about. It might be something that's causing you some additional anxiety. Not that you can't get done in the bedroom, but that that fear of talking about it. And maybe they can give you some suggestions as to how to bring this up with your spouse. More than likely they can. But, and again, you're probably not going to talk about that right out of the gate. You know, that's not something that you're probably just going to start immediately sharing. It's going to take you some time to get to know your counselor, for your counselor to get to know you, and for you to feel comfortable. And it's just going to start pouring out. You're going to get to a session one day, and you're not even going to think about sharing the information that you're going to share, but it's just going to start pouring out of you, and you're going to start rambling, and they're just going to sit there and listen, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I did not realize I had so much to say. You're going to be in the middle of your session, and you're going to have to take a drink of water because you're talking so much. I've been there. You know, I had some unresolved issues. I had some things that I didn't even know I had issues with. And counseling helped me a lot. I mean, so much. The the money that I spent on counseling at that time was so worth it because I I didn't even know that I was dealing with some of the issues that I was dealing with until I, I started talking and then things came out and the counselor was able to point out to me what the actual problem was not what I thought the problem was. 
And when I was able to put a name and a face to that problem, when I was able to identify where my hurt and my anger was, man, it made it a hell of a lot easier. And it wasn't overnight, okay? It wasn't overnight. It still takes time. It takes time to come to terms sometimes with what you're dealing with, you know? Sometimes it takes time to come to terms with the fact that what you're dealing with isn't your fault. A lot of times we blame ourselves for things that we don't need to blame ourselves for. So when you're suffering from anxiety, there's a root problem. There's, and it might not be one thing. It might be multiple things, okay, that happen over the course of many, many years. Like my friend that I spoke about earlier. This wasn't something that happened overnight. She didn't get to this point where she was suffering so greatly from the anxiety on a daily basis overnight. It didn't happen in just a couple of months or a couple of years. This is something that was pounded into her over the, the, the decades of her life. So it's not going to be an overnight fix ever. There's nothing that's going to just snap your fingers and, and make everything all right. It's not going to happen that way. No matter how many times you talk to the counselor, no matter how many different kinds of drugs and things that you take, it's not going to solve the problem in one day. There's no real, no real cure for the problem. But there's hope because we can alleviate the symptoms. We can relieve the pressure if we can figure out what the problems are, what the real problems are, and start working towards, you know, alleviating the pressure from those, working on goals to help understand what's going on. There's something to be said about talking to a stranger, guys. There's really, there's just no way for me to explain to you the relief that you feel when you get something off your chest. And once again, by talking to a counselor, someone who's, uh, you know, bound by a confidentiality agreement where they can't talk to other people about what you talk about. They're not allowed by law to tell anybody else what's going on and they will lose their license. They will no longer be able to practice and they will no longer be able to make that two, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour that they charge people depending upon, you know, where you go if they break that contract. And they know this and they'll never breach that agreement ever. You're never going to find a counselor who is willing to put their life on the line uh, because somebody wants to know something about you. It's never going to happen. I promise you, trust and believe that counselor is not going to share that information with anyone. Okay. Just like if you send me a message at the daily drives podcast, at gmail.com, and you have something that you want to talk about, if you tell me that you don't want anyone to know who you are, then fine. They'll never know. I won't even tell my wife. I promise you. And I tell my wife everything. Although I'm not legally bound to that confidentiality agreement, I'm going to do that for you anyway because I know how important it is. I said some things to my counselor that I could never say to my daughter, my oldest daughter, Ashley. Some of the problems that I was having at the time, uh, one of the things that I was dealing with was some depression because my daughter was mad at me for divorcing her mom and for not being there. She felt like I left her as well as her mom. Um, the picture that was being painted of me 
on a regular basis was a very ugly picture. And that's how she started to see me. And there was nothing that I could do about it. I kept trying, but there was nothing that I could truly do. And it took me talking to a counselor and the counselor to tell me that there's no way that I'm able to, to control how she feels about my situation, about our situation. There's no way for me to control her reaction to the things that I do. For me to realize that, you know what, I still have to move on with my life. I still have to continue to do the things that I need to do on a daily basis to to care and, and to uh, to care for my daughter, to provide for my daughter. No matter how depressed I got, I still had to do those things. That's what I wanted in my life. I wanted my daughter in my life. You know, for those of you who know me and, and the relationship that I've had with my daughter, you know that Ashley and I were like two peas in a pod for the first 12 years of her life. We, we got along very well, and I was a rock star in her mind. I was on this very high pedestal. And when I divorced her mom, I crashed. I crashed from that pedestal. I crashed hard. You know, her view of me became quite different. So we're going to pull over real quick and make a, uh, a small stop. And I'm going to let you listen to one more song. I think we're going to go um, with another Lansdowne song or another Otherwise song because they're really cool. So give me just a few minutes. Uh, check out this clip. And we're going to get right back to um, counseling and where to go for that. And uh, then we're going to wrap up a little bit uh, on anxiety once more. And thank you guys so much for listening. I know this is a long podcast, but I think it's very important for everyone to know that somebody out there does understand. So we'll be right back. Uh, and once again, listen to a little bit of Otherwise. Okay, guys, that was Otherwise again. And that song was called I Don't Apologize. Uh, and, man, that's a great, great tune. I think that's probably one of their most popular songs i think that was on the radio uh in columbus a lot and i think it might have actually been in the top 20 at one point i don't remember for sure so it's been a little while since that song came out it's one of their uh, i believe that was from their first record so again otherwise out of uh las vegas nevada go check those guys out they're really cool ah oh, this coffee's not good <laughs> all right guys i got about 15 minutes between here and our next stop. So we're going to dive right back in. Also, real quick, Campfire Coffee, uh, <laughs> Campfire Coffee Roasters with a K. Campfire with a K. Campfire Coffee Roasters. Get some and then try it out and then email me, dailydrivespodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of that stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe leave a review on their website or Google or something like that. Uh, so a local company to you, if you're in Ohio, Canal Winchester is where it hails from. Uh, you can find the coffee in Hocking Hills. Uh, if you're around the uh, Logan area or even Lancaster or Athens, it's not a far drive. Uh, if you're in Columbus and you have never been to Hocking Hills, get off your ass, get in your car, and go to Hocking Hills. It's fucking beautiful there, man waterfalls and like all kinds of cool stuff right so go check that stuff out listen to lands down or shit otherwise listen to otherwise 
and uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place today, man. It's Saturday, and I'm working. I'm going to be working every Saturday for the rest of the month, actually, just so you know. Uh, so you might get these uh, these podcast episodes might pop up on, on Saturdays for you. If that's not convenient, just listen to it another time. That's the beautiful thing about the podcast. You can listen to it whenever the hell you feel like it, or you cannot listen to it at all. I prefer you just listen to it whenever the hell you felt like it. All right? So getting back into anxiety and uh, medication and counseling, uh, those those are all things, you know, those two things can help out a lot with, uh, with anxiety. And I think that the main point that I'm trying to make here is that you're not alone. If you're, if you're suffering from anxiety, you're not alone. You're not the only one who suffers from this. I promise you there are people out there who completely understand what's going on in your brain. You are not irrational or you're not, uh, you're not stupid. <laughs> and there's really, I mean, uh, you have an illness, if you will, uh, you have a disorder, if you will, but there's really nothing wrong with you. Okay. Uh, you're not a bad person. Stop beating yourself up because anxiety, if you're dealing with anxiety, you're beating yourself up all the time. You feel guilty about your anxiety. You feel guilty about, um, you know, things that have happened because of your anxiety, situations that you put yourself in or others in uh, because of the anxiety, you feel guilty. So you often beat yourself down. And that, that is, is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You beat yourself up about anxiety and then you have anxiety about beating yourself up. And I mean, it just keeps on going. Anxiety can easily turn into depression and other major disorders, bipolar, uh, things like that. So you really want to, if you're suffering, you want to get help. And I promise you, I promise you guys, please believe me when I tell you there are people out there who want to help, who, who can help. And I want you to seek those people out. If you have to, you can Google anxiety hotline. There are numbers that you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're having an anxiety attack and you cannot seem to get through it, it's just holding on to you and not letting go. Please, please Google anxiety hotline. There are tons of numbers out there for you to call. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they can help you through it. If you don't have somebody close to you that understands and is willing to get their face pounded in by you for a few hours, that, that's about the only thing that you can do when you're suffering. When you're having that major attack for no reason. It might have started out as a good reason, you know. You told the kids to do the dishes and they didn't do it. They refused pissing you off and then that spirals out of control to a bunch of other things that have pissed you off or are going to piss you off so a lot of times anxiety looks like rage and anger you know sometimes it looks like depression it goes so many different ways there are, there are you know everybody's a little bit different and how they uh, how they handle it how they you know don't handle it so I promise you there are ways to get through it there are people who want to help you so do yourself a favor seek counseling take a look at medicinal marijuana 
I strongly urge you to find ways of ingesting it as opposed to smoking it. It's going to be a lot more helpful for you in my experience. So edibles are really good in this particular case. And, uh, you know, maybe things that, you know, like vape oils, a lot better than smoking. You know, I'm all about being healthy and putting smoke into your lungs, even if it's not cigarettes where there's millions of chemicals we don't know anything about. Even though it's a lot better than that, it's still smoke. It's still not good for your lungs. You shouldn't inhale smoke. Probably shouldn't inhale vapor either, uh, but I can't imagine it being nearly as bad as, as the tar and uh, everything that comes along with, with smoking of, of any kind, whether it's cigarettes or, or tobacco or, or anything, you know. You really shouldn't smoke stuff. So definitely, and, and more importantly, the effect that it has is much different when you ingest it than when you smoke it. It's actually a lot more effective ingesting medicinal marijuana than it is smoking it. So I strongly urge you to, to look into that. Don't take my word for it, all right, because I'm not you. The people that I know aren't you. So I, I want you to know your body and how you feel and how things make you feel. But be very aware of, of what things do to your body and to your mental state. Be very aware. You need to notice if you're going to take uh, if you're going to take medicines, Western medicine especially. I want you to pay very, very, very close attention to the side effects that you suffer from because of those medications. Some of them may be no big deal at all, and you can deal with it. It's not a problem. You know things like dry mouth, all right, whatever. You're going to get that from medicinal marijuana a lot of times anyway. So who cares, right? Not a big deal. If that's all you're dealing with and the medicine's working for you and you're not worried about problems with kidneys or liver or things like that, then, you know, maybe that's the way to go for you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you to research it, you know? Look at the possibility of the different medications that you could be on that can help with your symptoms. That's the main point that I want to make here is research. Research yourself and know yourself, okay? Um, counseling, it may take you uh, one or two different counselors or three different counselors before you find one that you're somewhat comfortable with. But if that's what it takes, then do it. You have to do it. You've got to do something about it because the people around you, the loved ones, they are suffering too. Even though they're not, they're not the ones with the anxiety, they're the ones that are dealing with the fallout. So they're hurting too. So do yourself and everyone around you a favor and try to do something about it. If you're already in counseling and you're already taking medications, I congratulate you. That's a very difficult decision to make, especially if you're concerned about medications like we are, like I am, you know? Because I, I definitely don't like putting uh, foreign chemicals into my body anymore. Now, when I was in my 20s, you, if you know me, you know that that was never a problem for me back then, right? I think a lot of us go through that in our, our latter teens and, and our 20s. We go through the uh, experimentation phase, if you will, where we take things we shouldn't take and do things we shouldn't do. But since then, I've matured. I've grown up a little bit. 
and I've realized the damage that that can do to my body. And I want to take better care of myself, which is why I go to the gym. That's why I try to eat the best that I can. I try not to uh, hit the McDonald's and things like that because uh, it's not good for you. There's, there's nothing that's uh, you know nutritional there for you. And it can actually cause you more harm than good. So uh, the other thing that you can do if you're suffering from anxiety is take a look at your diet. What does my diet have to do with my brain, Jason? What does my diet have to do with my emotional well-being? Everything. It has everything to do with it. I promise you, if you are not taking good care of yourself, that is only going to make those problems even worse. If you're suffering from anxiety and you eat McDonald's once a day, stop it. Right now, make yourself a promise to not eat fast food anymore. But Jason, I love McDonald's. They have the best sweet tea. Dude, get a sweet tea. Feel, feel free, all right? I'm telling you, I'm not telling you never eat McDonald's again, although you shouldn't. I'm telling you, don't do it every day. Don't make that your nutrition. Don't make that your diet. If you're constantly buying prepackaged foods and throwing those in the microwave or whatever, I urge you to please stop. Please stop. It's going to take you a little bit more time to make your meals, and it's going to take you a little bit more prep to make your meals, and you're probably going to spend a little bit more money eating healthy than you would just to eat straight garbage. But I promise you that in the long run, it's going to wash because that stuff that you're eating that's garbage isn't sticking around very long anyway. And you eat more, maybe more often or more in one sitting, but you eat more. So if you're suffering from anxiety, there's a chance that you're overweight too. Not always the case. Sometimes you're underweight because you don't eat at all. Because sometimes the reaction to your anxiety, your body's physical reaction to the anxiety is stomach problems. A lot of times, I mean, more often than not, digestive issues. And I believe that it has to do with the different hormones and the imbalances and things like that. So I think that if we eat right, we eat the right foods every day. Fruits and vegetables are very, very important. You've got to have vitamin D, ladies and gentlemen. Get out in the sun. You've got to get outside. You've got to get sun on your skin. Okay? So do, do yourself that favor. If you don't eat very well, if you don't have a good diet, do yourself a favor and try to put yourself on a much better diet. If you're only eating once a day and you're suffering from anxiety, that's a bad idea. Guys, that's a really bad idea because what happens is you get hungry and that hunger eventually turns into anxiety and then it makes you sick at your stomach and you can't eat. Now you're going to have a problem with anorexia in addition to, you know, anxiety. Or, or the anxiety causes you a problem and all you want to do is eat. And you eat a bunch of garbage, chips and snacks and cupcakes and nonsense like that. And in that case, now you're looking at an overweight situation. Now you're looking at being obese on top of your anxiety, which again, self-fulfilling prophecy. Now I'm fat. I don't feel good. I'm constantly anxious, 
and I'm beating myself up all the time about how fat I am and how shitty I feel and everything else. So it just continues to com- compound over and over and over again. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Stop eating garbage. Take the garbage out of your diet. Some people believe that it would be good to go on a gluten-free diet at that point. Try it. I'm not saying that's the best way to go. I don't like the idea personally, but try it out. See if it's working for you. But either way, you've got to be in a situation where you're eating foods that are benefiting you in the long run. Sneaky D's. I wonder what Sneaky D's is. They got karaoke there. Anyway, so, um, and lastly, the last point that I'm going to make is about your body. So, exercise. Exercise is very important. You guys hear me bitching about exercise all the time if you listen to my podcast on a regular basis. You hear me talk about how important it is to take care of your body. Every single podcast I'm I'm mentioning somewhere along the lines of taking care of yourself, right? So I think it's very important, especially when you're dealing with things like anxiety, to get out and exercise. You need 30 to 60 minutes of exercise every single day. And I don't mean just going for a short walk. I'm talking about getting that heart rate up a little bit, right? Getting that heart rate up a little bit, maybe sweat a little bit, and really put your body through all the planes of motion um, with every single limb, every single body part, because that's what it takes to, to gain that physical fitness that you need. And that physical fitness will help to relieve a lot of your pain that you're dealing with, Uh, Because I know that if you're dealing with anxiety, you also have chronic pains as well. Because that pain is your body's physical reaction to your mental mental state of being. All these things tie in together, guys. They all tie together. The food that you eat, the exercise that you get, the people that you talk to, all of those things all tie in together when it comes to dealing with anxiety. We're at our next stop now. One more time, I love you guys. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and take one more break, and then I promise we'll wrap it up on the next one. I know it's a long podcast this time, a long episode. I really appreciate you listening. Uh, What I have to say here to me is very, very important, and I hope that it is going to help with with other things down the road for somebody. I, I know that it will. So let's talk again here in just a few minutes. I'll find another song for you, um, and then we'll wrap things up. Talk to you shortly. And that was Sleeping Lions, the title track from the latest record released in 2017 from Otherwise. So you can kind of hear a little bit of the progression there, how they kind of, uh, you know, uh, they just keep getting better, in my opinion. So I hope you like that, uh, those tidbits of songs that I've put out there for you. And I hope you like it well enough that you go maybe, uh, you know, download the latest record or all the records. I think there's four total. Anyway, so... um, We're going to wrap up this episode on anxiety, and I want to just reiterate some points, okay? The first point, and I think probably the most important point for me to bring up is if you're suffering from anxiety or you know someone who's suffering from anxiety, uh, it's something that you're dealing with on a daily basis, man, you're not alone. I want you to know that you are not the only person dealing with this. Lots of people have this going on. You're not a freak, okay? You're not a loser, You're not a weirdo. Excuse me, you're not a basket case. 
right? You may have some um, lingering issues that could be stemming from something that happened to you in your childhood, uh, something that happened to you in your adolescence or even in your uh, later adult years. There may be other reasons why you're dealing with the anxiety, uh, which is why I suggest seeking out counseling. That will help out a lot. Um, and, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it is. You know, all of these things that you can do to help yourself, they all take time. It's going to take time no matter what. You know, and in the meantime, you're still, you're still struggling. And I know that. I want you to do, do, do me a favor, man. Just, just keep your head up. Do the best that you can to try to remain positive and think positive. Always try to keep positive thoughts in your mind. Uh, when you see yourself going down that path where you uh, are starting to create scenarios in your head that may or may not actually happen, you know, start to think about the things that you have in your life that make you feel good. You know, maybe if you're like me, you like to go fishing, maybe that's a really good time when you start to feel some anxiety coming on. It might be a good time to just go, go fishing. Blow everything else off and just, and just go do something that you love doing. You know, I've talked about it several times in the, left, at the last episode. I talked about um, enjoying things that money can't buy. And that's one of those things that can help out a little bit with anxiety. But, again, everybody's different, okay? So... Seeking counseling is going to help. Looking into uh, different medic medications that can help you, that's going to help also. And looking at your diet, making sure that you're not eating garbage, uh, make sure that you're paying attention to the foods that, and, and how those foods make you feel. Not just medicine, how medicine makes you feel, but how the foods make you feel as well. For example, if uh, you eat ham and you tend to swell up after eating ham, it's because your body's retaining water, right? There's a lot of sodium in ham, so that causes you to retain water. If that is something that you see happening to you on a regular basis, it doesn't happen to me. I can eat ham and not really, not really feel that way. If I eat a lot of it, I, I can feel that way, but um, it doesn't always make me feel that way. But if that happens to you on a regular basis, then maybe you should look at the possibility of not eating as much ham. You know, so look at how your body reacts to the foods and the things that you put into your body. Pay close attention to that and then eliminate things that are hindrances and incorporate things that can help, okay? Exercise. I'm going to say this one more time. It doesn't matter if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or anything else or not suffering from any of those illnesses or, or, or uh, uh, things at all. Exercise is still important. You've got to make sure that you take your body every single day through the full range of motions, um, all three planes of motion, and you need to make sure that you get your heart rate up a little bit. Uh, this is going to make you to this is going to help you to to be around the world a lot longer and feel better, feel better about yourself, look better, be healthier, all of these things, and that can help with all kinds of different mental disorders, anxiety, depression, whatever. It doesn't matter. Exercise, exercise, exercise. And I don't mean you, you don't have to be like me, going into the gym and pumping iron and stuff. Maybe the best thing for you to do is to hop on a treadmill one day, hop on the bike the next day, hop on the elliptical the next day, whatever. You know, if you like cardio, fine, right? Um, one other suggestion that I have for you, other than diet, exercise, exercise, 
uh, and researching medications and finding the right ones for you and talking to a doctor and talking to a counselor. Other than that, there are different things like um, subliminal messaging and things like that out there. There are uh, things that you can listen to to help relax you, to help calm you down when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack, having a panic attack or something. So look those things up as well. Um, if you didn't know that you had anxiety and now that you've heard this podcast, you realize that you might actually fit that bill, then maybe it's time for you to start looking into the possibility of, of this anxiety disorder being a part of your life. And, and maybe that's something that, uh, you know, you should, you should actually consider, uh, trying to take care of. So last time I'm going to reiterate, I'm sorry. I know this has been a long podcast. Uh, a very long episode, but there's a lot of information here. Uh, and, and again, this is all information that, that I have gathered myself throughout the years, things that I've tried, not tried, uh, you know, things that have worked, things that haven't worked. I, I've, been, I've been there. You know, I know what it's like um, to, to have anxiety and to deal with anxiety and to uh, you know, be around it on a regular basis. So I'm just telling you, based on my own personal experiences and everything like that. Again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I, I can't, you know, give you strong medical advice. All I can tell you is that if you are dealing with this, you are not the only one, and there are ways to treat this, the, the symptoms, and there are ways to get to the root problems and, and to help you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. So take some of those things into consideration. Um, and, you know, talk to your loved ones who are dealing with anxiety. If it's not you, talk to them and, and let them know that you understand. Hell, share this podcast with them. Just the fact that somebody else out there totally gets it might be enough to make them go, oh, okay, I, I'm not such a bad person after all, because that's what anxiety does. It makes you think that you're a, a piece of shit when you're really not, you know? So you're not a piece of shit, you know? I love you. I don't know who else is out there for you, but I know there's other people other than myself. So if you're struggling, you don't have anyone to talk to, shoot me an email. I can give you some suggestions, some advice. We could talk about it back and forth if you want. It doesn't cost you a dime, okay? Uh, the email is dailydrivespodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to send me a message here on Anchor if you'd like to, um, you know, or hook, me, hook up with me on social media. Send me a direct message, a private message, whatever you need to do. I'm pretty much public on all my social media now, so even if you're not friends with me or we don't follow each other or whatever, you should still be able to send me a message. Um, or again, if you can't do any of those things, just send me an email. Call in to the show, like leave a message on, uh, on, on Anchor. So that's all I got for you today. That's my bit on anxiety, and I hope it helps you. Uh, I hope it helps somebody that you know. Bring somebody along. Let them know. Hey, look. Somebody out there understands. So um, follow me on social media. Send me emails. Give me reviews. Leave me some, uh, some ratings. Greatly appreciate those things. Thanks once again for continuing to listen. For those of you who have been doing so, I do appreciate your loyalty. You have no idea. Uh, Angie, Kirk, um, <laughs> there's so many of you. I, I, can't even, I can't even name them all. Michael. Um, but you guys are, you mean a lot to me. You know, Farron, I didn't even know you were listening to the podcast. So thank you very much. 
uh, I appreciate the positive comments and everything. It means a lot to me uh, because I, I this podcast means a lot to me because I want to be able to help people. This is all I have to give back to society right now. Uh, so until I'm a multimillionaire and I'm able to donate, you know, hundreds, thousands, and millions of dollars to the things that I believe in, the causes that I believe in, like mental illness and things like that, um, this is all I got. <laughs> so I'm giving you everything I got, man. So I appreciate you spreading the word and helping to grow this podcast. Um, please send me an email and uh, let's let's wrap a little bit, okay? And like I say on every podcast, until I talk to you guys again, until I see you again, please take care of yourselves. And don't be a dick. Take care of each other, your fellow mankind. You know, we're all just trying to, you know, do our best. At the end of every day, we all kind of want the same thing. So be good to each other, all right? Be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Have a great week. I'll see you soon.